to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Brendan Morahan. Good morning and welcome to the latest edition of Construction Big Breakfast. Uh, today, I'm joined by Daryl Cogan. Hello. Good morning, Daryl. Daryl is our business consultant, and I think this is your first time doing it a is. podcast, so yep. uh, we'll be gentle over here. Thank you. I hope you enjoy it. But uh, the purpose of today's podcast is to share with you some of the learning that we've had as a business in carrying out business health checks. Um, Daryl has been working closely with me with a number of our clients, and we just felt now was a good time to start sharing with you some of the learning we've had. Um, now, Dale, as you know, the business health check we designed on the back of the quality foundation model, yep. excellence model. Um, certainly from my past experience, I found it extremely useful framework. Mm. In the past, we've spoken with clients and we've spoken about particular areas that we could work on. But I've always found that framework quite useful to yep. st structure a whole business yep. and then hone in on particular areas. What's been your experience of the framework itself? I think you're right. It gives a very good holistic view of a business. And I think the really interesting thing for me is understanding how all of those different areas contribute towards the performance of a, of a business and a firm yeah. all the way through. Yeah. So maybe for those people that aren't clear on the quality foundation model, um, it's based in two parts. There are enablers, so that the inputs that create an excellent business, yeah. and then the results side of it. So you're always going on that continuous loop mm. of what are the inputs, what are the outputs that you get? Are they good enough? If not, go back to, to your inputs. And what I, I suggest is that maybe in today's podcast, we focus just on the input okay. areas of that. And as you know, the inputs were, and you might need to help me here, <laughs> were, were leadership, yep. strategy, people, um, pro processes and procedures, and suppliers. Yep. So the fundamentals of running a, a good business. Yep. And as I think we've, we've shared with others before, I've got a particular passion about strategy and leadership so uh, you know i'll maybe share some experience of that maybe you could pick up on supply the supply side and the people side and yep. maybe we could both kick in with the processes so maybe if i start with strategy mm -hmm. um probably the big learning that i've had in, in carrying out these health checks is a number of things one is the term strategy is not commonly understood as to what it is the second is that those businesses that do have a strategy um, sometimes confuse strategy with action and plans. So they refer to what they're going to do rather than why it's a good thing to do, why it gives them a competitive advantage. So you'll speak to people and you'll ask them what their strategy is and they'll say, well, we want to be the biggest contractor in rail in the south of England. Absolutely admirable, but it's not a strategy. Conversely, there are businesses that actually do have a well thought through strategy, either develop themselves or, or with others, but they don't communicate it clearly. So you may have found this when you're discussing it in the people element of it, that people are working in, with good intentions, but aren't crystal clear as to why they're doing it. And therefore there is a break, there is a waste. Actually. So I think from, from my point of view, the, particularly in the construction arena, the strategy element of the, the business model is an area that I think has highlighted a big deficiency in my mind as to what a strategy is and how you can use it to guide the business forward. So rather than me just sort of concentrating too much on my experience, how does that then relate to the work that you've been doing with the customers 
and how does it manifest itself in some of the, the work you've been doing on people and suppliers? So particularly on the people front, there's a range of different approaches and ways that, that people lead uh, their employees. Um, and particularly when it comes down to um, some, some of the structure and process around that in terms of consistent performance reviews and employee engagement, some people have lots of structure and process and some people do it on a very ad hoc basis. And actually what's really interesting is that then even when people do have a little bit more structure around their performance reviews, the way that they communicate and set goals and development plans, if there isn't that clear strategy and bigger picture, some of that, um, that, that process and that structure can still be focused at short term mm -hmm. and can still be focused a lot on, okay, what are we going to do today and tomorrow and what do we need to do out on projects? So yeah. there isn't that bigger picture view that links all the way through to the, the strategic objectives, the end goal, as it were, um, at a much bigger picture. And some people might say, so what? Why does it matter? They might do, um, and I think there's there's a couple of fronts there. Um, one, particularly on, on the long-term visions, is understanding where the business wants to get to so that it continue, can continue to survive yeah. and it can continue to lead and be the firm that it wants to be. Yeah. But equally then, about having that, that big picture and being able to communicate to people, engaging with them so that they feel as though they are part of something bigger, not just turning up to do a job from nine to five and then go home again, that they actually feel as though they're developing and they're contributing in other ways beyond just on a project, on a programme. Out, out and that's a really important point that I discuss with our clients from a strategic point of view, is a number of organisations always talk about people are so important and quite often complain about they can't get enough good people. They don't always recognise that strategically, they're not just in competition for work, they're in competition for good people. Yeah. And if you're not really engaging those people as to what you're trying to achieve and why they're important to it and vice versa, then a bit like the competition for work, you're just in with a pack, you're yeah. not differentiating yourself. No. And that's why it's very clear to me how all these things start to interlink. You can have a strong strategy, but weak people process, or conversely, very good with people, but so what if they don't know what they're yeah. engaged in, what they're doing? Yeah. And how does that work through to suppliers? Does the same apply? Yeah, so again, there's quite a stark difference between some people that really communicate that strategy, that clear vision for the longer term and how they can partner with people. And there are other organisations that are very transactional. So yeah. they don't communicate their long-term goals and, and visions and missions um, in order to ensure that they're aligned with their supply chain um, and to ensure that they can then both get the best out of any given project, programme, uh, or long-term partnership. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really communicating and understanding that that will allow people to add value together. And one thing that we know is that the construction industry is so interconnected mm -hmm. that it is reliant on those relationships and those partnerships with other organisations. You yeah. can't, very few organisations in, in this industry can, can do a whole project yeah. by themselves. So they are reliant on other people to, to help them along the way. And if they can communicate um, and articulate their clear vision and their, their strategy, they're more likely to get the people alongside them that are going to help them deliver that. I think that's right, because again, they're in competition for the best suppliers out there. Yeah. But more than that, because we work both, you know, client side, tier one contracts, tier two, all the way through the, the supply chain. 
And it's amazing how many of the tier twos and the tier threes we speak with who've got great experience, great ideas, great energy, but they're never asked for that. They're asked to respond to tenders. Yeah. And what always bemuses me is the lack of conversations that take place about how do they get those ideas in and how do those ideas get sucked in. And there, yeah. there seems to be a disjoint there and somehow a number of organisations seem to allow the procurement process to get in the way of that yeah. as opposed to just opening up dialogue and conversation. Yeah, rather than just having the conversation, it has to follow a strict process that is is quite limiting in terms of people being able to interact and have those longer-term relationships. And as you say, kind of almost those more informal um, conversations and discussions about where they might be able to add value in the longer term. Yeah, okay. So in your experience, what, what are the, the really good examples of companies that we've worked with that you think really get it in the whole or maybe in part? And what, without naming names, what are the examples that almost make you cringe that say these are, this is where we've really got to, to get right if we're going to improve the, the sector? Okay, I mean, uh, certainly uh, in terms of engaging with the supply chain, the, the good examples, they engage early and they articulate their clear vision in terms of what they want to achieve and the kind of work that they want to go forward and deliver mm -hmm. so that they can ensure that one, their supply chain buys into that and two, that their supply chain can prepare to be at the right capability, the right cap capacity to help them deliver that at mm -hmm. the right time. The, the opposite side of that, of that coin is where supply chain are engaged too late and they're called up and they're asked to be on site in two weeks time having not really known much about the job or they previously bid it and not got any feedback and then there's an expectation, right, okay, you need to be on site in two weeks else I'm going to go to someone else. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously that puts someone on the back foot and often in those relationships they start off in quite a poor way um, and there's a little bit of tension in that even before someone's turned up and actually start to deliver on site yeah. or in an office or whatever um, so that's kind of on, on the supply side when it comes to people um, again there are some really excellent examples out there where people where organizations they concentrate on helping to increase self-awareness amongst their people so they do things like psychometric profile tests they do things like 360 degree surveys but they link it all together so that they can allow someone to develop and push forward. One of the really interesting things is that people aren't just, um, they're not just motivated by money. And money is something that's talked around, uh, talked about quite a lot in this industry, um, but they're not just motivated by money. They're motivated by being part of something bigger mm -hmm. and also testing and stretching and developing themselves. Mm -hmm. So those other two parts are often, um, often neglected but by the really good organisations in this industry, there's a focus on that rather than just on the pay packet at the end of the month. Yeah. So there's a lot of support, there's a lot of opportunity, um, and even things like succession plans are discussed quite openly to ensure that someone understands that they're recognised as being able to progress towards a particular position. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the poorer examples in the industry, again, they tend not to have any kind of process, and it's down to line managers to have those conversations who may not be given the tools, the training, um, the awareness to, to actually be able to follow through on some of those conversations and help support their own staff. And also, um, 
things like um, turnover rates can sometimes be a bit of a concern. So um, although we use a lot of agency labour in, in the industry, there can also be high turnover of, of permanent staff as well. Mm-hmm. And even, um, even things like um, proper exit interviews can help to understand why people might be leaving your business. And people just don't don't have that intelligence, don't have that understanding to be able to help them change the way that they approach yeah. their, their management and their leadership styles. Now that's interesting because two of the other elements that we haven't focused on so far of input-wise is leadership mm-hmm. and process. And you, you touched on process, I'll come back to that there. But leadership is sometimes misunderstood as well. There is a presumption in some organisations that a leader is a single person. Yeah. Whereas obviously... In a, particularly in a project type business, there are a number of leaders, and I would argue in any business there needs to be a number of leaders anyway. Yeah. Um, and that, that leadership role is sometimes misunderstood at a business level. Mm. It's quite often seen as being delegated down to projects rather than how you actually knit everything together. Yeah. And a key role of that leadership is communication. It's understanding and then articulating it in the right way to the right audience. And one of, one of the things that has struck me is that we have some great leaders in this industry for actually achieving things and doing tasks who are eminently capable of leading people and developing great businesses, but don't always make the connection between both, tend to be more task-focused. And the people, I mean, you used a lot of language there about um, psychometrics and behaviours and, and really looking at what, what motivates people. The industry traditionally was a little bit averse to that because we're up against hard deadlines, we're in tricky conditions, we haven't got time for that. Are you seeing any emergence of people that are now truly recognising the value of that? as leaders and actually transforming their business to make sure that the way those businesses are led are being led in a more holistic way? I think the change is slow, but I think I think there is um, a, a slightly different approach creeping into the industry. Um, typically, we are slower adopters than other sectors um, and we are probably slightly more insular than other sectors. And we tend not to get some of that crossover, that um, that ability to understand what is going on and pick up on the learning from other sectors, other industries, um, because we don't tend to have that crossover of people that come from other sectors and industries and start applying their own learning and expertise and understanding and knowledge into construction. It is starting to change. Um, so there are examples out there where people are being led in a very different way. Um, they are being managed in a different way and that is helping them to contribute more, uh, be valued more and contribute more to their own firms. And have you seen, I know I have, have you seen examples where that change in leadership is demonstrably giving better results in the round? Um, or are we finding that it's, it's too slow and because of the nature of the shareholding of these businesses, they want a quicker return and those people are struggling to survive in the way they're doing it because by very nature that's investment in people and suppliers yeah. and the return is somewhat long term. I think, I think things are changing. It, as you said, it is slow. Um, I think there are some, um, some 
ownership uh, structures out there which won't necessarily tolerate a slightly different approach because that's the way they've always done mm -hmm. things. There are other um, slightly more um, mature ownership structures out there, I believe, that are more open to a different, um, a different way of leading businesses and getting value. Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to um, investment and getting a return on that investment, investing in people, that only accumulates with use. Yeah. That only appreciates with use. Um, so the more you invest in people, the more knowledge you gain, the more value you can create. When it comes to investing in technology and equipment, typically that depreciates. Mm. So I think there needs to be that that alteration in, in mindset and, and approach. And the, the quicker we speed up that change, the better for the industry. And then linked with that, um, as an industry, we're highly regulated mm -hmm. uh, and we need to be. A lot of risk, both financial and impact on society and the people within it. And there are some some organisations that are very driven from a process procedural point of view, which can stifle innovation and can wear people down because it seems too, too bureaucratic. And then you have another extreme that actually have always done it this way, it's always worked. Why does it need to be written down? Why does it need to be prescribed? We just yeah. employ great people that are self-starters and they do it. So we've seen the whole spectrum of that. Yeah. In your view, is there, a, is there a common ground there that is an optimum for businesses in construction? If we know what the model would say, yeah. that it should be, be clearly prescribed, there should be clear systems and process, not that they need to be over-bureaucratic, they need to be understood and achievable and constantly um, updated but do you th have you had any experiences of where we're getting it right as an industry or is there lots to be learned from others still? I, th I think there's there's a balance to be struck and I think it very much depends on the individual organisation. It's very hard to say there's a one-size-fits-all model out there um, and I think, as you said, there are, um, there are certain situations and, and parts of the industry that are highly regulated and rightly so and there are others that are... Um, less formal in terms of systems and structure. And again, that may well be appropriate. And I think the thing to recognize is within a single firm, there can be different levels of structure and uh, process put in place. And it's understanding where it's most appropriate yeah. so that you don't stifle innovation and you don't stifle different ways of, uh, of working and approaches in one part of the organization where you want it to be really innovative and yet you don't take away process and procedure where it's required elsewhere. Yeah. Um, what is important is then recognising the kind of people that you want to work in those different parts of the, of the same organisation. Mm -hmm. There are going to be some that will um, thrive under process and structure, and there are others that are, are more creative, want to be um, freer to be able to come up with new ideas, new innovations, new ways of creating value. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the difficult thing for leaders today is trying to map that and understand how to approach that within the same organisation rather than just having a blanket um, system that fits over the top of it. And yet if you can't manage that difficulty then frankly you're not a leader and, and that's the challenge ahead of you. So it's interesting because I was with one of our clients yesterday and we had a not dissimilar debate because the processes in that business are okay. They're not brilliant but they're okay, they, they've got them to where they are and they're quite effective. But I noticed that the influence in that business is more now about pr 
process compliance and are people doing what they should be doing as opposed to are the processes appropriate to help them achieve their objective. Now fortunately in that business, good leadership, they do have a clear objective. The problem is if you're not clear on what your objective is and if you don't have strong leadership then all you can do is follow the process that might be taken in the completely wrong direction. Which coming back to it and maybe we'll just bring this to a close is where I think the value comes into this, this health check in using a model such as that. that yeah actually does, as I say, look at it in the round, make sure that you're not overly strong in one area and weak in others. You're looking at it in the round, then see what results you're getting. If you're satisfied, keep going. If you're not, revisit the enablers and Absolutely. see what you can do to improve. So look, thanks for, for sharing in this first podcast. I hope it wasn't too painful. That's no, very good, thanks for having me. And what I failed to ask you at the, at the start is what you had for breakfast today, because what I've just had, it was scrambled egg on brown toast with a bit of smoked salmon with one of our clients that we're currently doing health check with. Very pleasant, washed out with three flat white coffee, so Very that good. kept me going for the morning. What about yourself? As you know, I tend to have breakfast in the office, you so do. I had the usual That's cereal. milk goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I had the usual cereal and fruit this morning. Cereal and fruit. What cereal do you have? Uh, muesli. Muesli. Every morning? Every morning. And that's what keeps you as fit and healthy as Absolutely. you are. So look, thanks Daryl, I hope you'll get involved in a few more of these sessions and maybe in the future we'll discuss the results side of the business yep. health hit. But uh, thank you and thank you for joining us and we look forward to uh, you joining us again maybe in a couple of weeks time. All the best. Is your business feeling blue? Don't ignore it. A business is like the human body. It is a complex set of interdependent parts, each with their own role and purpose. When all those parts work and work together, the body thrives. But when something goes wrong, things can go awry. And like the human body, a business can't perform at its best until everything is working like a well-oiled machine. That is why we developed the Invent Business Health Check. Using our process, we have been able to set countless construction businesses on the path to good health and offering the guidance and encouragement of a personal trainer, we support you throughout the entire process. We provide clear and concise guidance to address the specific difficulties your business faces so you can begin to take corrective action. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.